Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here on this Sunday after Easter, April 16th. Hope that you're doing well wherever it is that you're watching from. Uh, I've been hearing just uh, this past week, actually, of a number of different people who watch online. So uh, it is uh, you that I'm thinking about as I uh, preach this message, um, you that uh, uh, we're speaking this to. And um, this Sunday in our church is Confirmation Sunday. And uh, so in our second service, we are confirming uh, 18 different eighth graders um, who are going to be sharing their testimony in faith. And uh, it'll be a special service for them and uh, for their families uh, as they uh, confess their faith in Christ. And we're very excited about that um, and this new beginning for them in their life. I've yet to spend two years with them uh, in confirmation class, going through the Old and New Testaments and talking about what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. And, and they're a great group. It's the largest class I've ever had. Um, and so it's an exciting time. But I also wanted to prepare a sermon, and that service uh, will be mostly just their testimonies. But uh, I wanted to prepare a sermon for the week uh, for you at home uh, or for our early service group that's going to be coming as well. And uh, so I decided to preach from Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 to 35. And it is the story of one of Jesus' resurrection appearances Uh, when he appears to two men on the road to Emmaus. And I've seen that road uh, on the road to Emmaus in my trips to Israel. It's now covered over with weeds and and grass, but there's still remains of some of the stones there uh, that were the Roman road that that went out to that uh, ancient village. And uh, uh, But I want to share this story with you. If you have your Bibles, it's in Luke chapter 24 verses 13 to 35, Luke 24, 13 to 35, and it says this, now that same day, referring to the day that Jesus rose from the dead, that same day, two of the followers were were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces were down. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's even more, though, is it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us they had seen vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb as well and found it just as the women had said. But Jesus, they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things to enter his glory? 
And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening, the day almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and then disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we were talking with him on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and said, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way of the road and how Jesus was recognized by them as well when he broke the this is one of my favorite resurrection scriptures. Uh, the first thing that, you know, we learn right away here uh, is that Jesus had more uh, followers than just the 11. He had others that believed in him and were part of this larger group that may have even traveled with him from village to village, but weren't in the main 11. Um, or was 12 before Judas, of course, betrayed him. Now, we read about two of those larger group of followers um, that are called the them in the story. They're walking on this road headed to a smaller village called Emmaus about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. One of the two men is named for us. His name was Cleopas. We don't know the other's name, but they were followers of Jesus. Now in Acts 1.15, we read that in those days, just after Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter stood up among the believers as the leader, and it says in Acts 1.15 that it was a group numbering about 120. So at the time of the resurrection, we know that there's about 120 believers of Jesus that are all somewhat together. In Acts 2, we read that on the day of Pentecost, when Peter speaks for the first time in Jerusalem with the Holy Spirit, afterwards, 3,000 people, it says, were added to their number. So the church went from 120 at the time of the resurrection to about 3,000 in one month. But in our scripture for today, it's still early on that first day of his resurrection. It's about 120 followers, you know. The reports are just coming in at that time of strange things that are happening, like a stone rolled away from the tomb, Jesus' body not in it, women having visions of angels saying that he's alive, and Peter and John going to the tomb and, and seeing it was empty as well. And, and again, like I said, at this time, there's only about 120 followers. What we're reading in our story is that two of them are already leaving, you know? The group is starting to break up, you could say. Two of them are on their way out of town. They'd given up on hope, on Jesus. Two of them are on their way out. And uh, that is what it says here in verse 21. It says that we had hoped that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Had hoped. And they say, what's more, it's already the third day. In other words, it's over. This was the day, the third day, when people began to accept the fact that their loved one was gone. So these guys, you see, they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're going home. 
They're discussing things together, and they're mostly depressed about it. It says their heads were down, you know. But that's exactly the time when Jesus comes up and walks with them a while. And I love that. For the Lord refuses to lose even one or two in this case. Two of his sheep are wandering away. And so Jesus, the good shepherd, goes to bring them back. And that's what we see at the end of the story, is that the two return back to Jerusalem at once to the group. But Jesus, when he goes to them, he doesn't just go to them and say, hey, here I am. <laughs> it says he walks alongside of them a while. He asks them questions, you know, and he listens to their answers first. And then verse 16 says, they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus is literally standing beside them, and, and they don't know it. They don't know who they are talking to. Now, I would say this is one of the weird things about the resurrection. Last week, we looked at John 20, where the first one to see Jesus was Mary. And yet, at the tomb, it says that she was, you know, at first talking with him there in the garden, but she didn't know who it was. She thought it was the gardener. She can't see who she's with at first. Not until he calls her by name, Mary, can her eyes come open. In John 21 as well, we see the story of Jesus appearing on the shore of Galilee where his disciples are out on a boat fishing near the shore. And Jesus appears on that shore and he calls out to them on the boat. And at first, they don't recognize him. But when he tells them to throw their nets on the right side of the boat, and when they do, suddenly a miracle, all these fish are caught, John then says to Peter, it's the Lord. And so Peter jumps in the water and he swims to shore. But there's a consistent thing here, you see, about Jesus appearing, and at first people don't recognize him, even those who had spent every day with him for the last three years. But then he'll do something, or he'll call their name like Mary, or he'll repeat a miracle like he had done before, like with Peter. Or he'll break the bread around the table, like we see in our scripture here. Um, and suddenly, their eyes are open. In our scripture for today, it, it even says that when Jesus came to walk alongside of them on the road, in verse 16, it says, they were kept from recognizing him. It's an interesting phrase there, an interesting word. They were kept that means that it wasn't that Jesus looked different. He didn't. It wasn't that they just didn't have enough faith. It doesn't say that. It says they were kept from recognizing him. That word kept means that God did not allow them to see who they were with. God intentionally kept Jesus' identity hidden until he was ready for it to be made known. God temporarily hid himself. 
They thought he was just a stranger, just a visitor that was walking on the same road as them. This reminds me a little bit of Hebrews 13, 2, which says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without recognizing it. That verse means that angels could be walking around among us, disguised as people, just like in the story of Abraham. Well, what we read here today is even more than that. It's that Jesus himself was walking along with them, but they didn't recognize him. God himself was the stranger that they met on the road and didn't know that it was him. How exciting is that? Now, it makes me, though, ask the question, why would God do this? Why would God hide himself? Why would Jesus not just reveal to them right away, say, hey, guys, it's me, I'm risen. Why wait until the breaking of the bread at the end of the day? And does the Lord still do this? Does he still come to us like this today in disguise? And we can't see him until later we look back and realize that he was there. I've thought about these questions this week. And I think our Lord does still hide himself at times for a while. And I think the reason is because there is joy in discovering him. There are times when he's teaching us something or working in our life, and we don't realize it right away that it is God who's come up alongside of us. You know, it might just seem like we're going through a tough thing of a loss of a job or, or we have a near-miss accident or, or there's a kind thing that a stranger does for us and provide for us at just the right time that we needed it. And, but then looking back, we are able to see the footprints in the sand and the fingerprint of God. We're able to see that it was him all along. I, I think he hides himself also at times because there's lessons that he wants us to learn. And we got to dig a little deeper to find them. Things that he wants to teach us along the way. And he's patient. He is not quick. If we seek him with all of our heart, we'll find him in the word or in the situation or in prayer. And so he is there for those who search for him. He wants us to search for him. To seek and we will find. So the two followers who come to Jesus here, they say in verse 32, looking back now, they say, weren't our hearts burning within us when he opened the scripture to us? Looking back, they can see, hey, that was Jesus the whole time. So often we see God looking backwards, you know, that was him. I have told you more than a few times how my grandmother taught me the scriptures. Permit me to mention it uh, at least a dozen more, <laughs> for it is an, an important thing to me and very relevant to what we're talking about today. For I can see it now looking back. For I'd go to grandma's house Thursdays after school and I would sit with her on her couch and, and she would teach me something. Both of us would have our Bibles open. We would be sitting next to each other, and she would have me read a chapter that she had picked out for the day. And, and then after reading it, she would just ask me a few questions. She wouldn't rush in with the answers. She wanted me to discover them. She would ask, what does this tell us about who God is? You know, what can we learn about ourselves from this? 
you know, or what is God telling us specifically to do here? She would ask these questions, and she would help me learn how to hear the answers, right? And then only in the end would she share a few thoughts of her own. And then she would help me cross-reference and look up other Bible verses and chapters that talk about the same topic and see how the whole Bible fit together. And it fascinated me. And I want to just say, just like those two men on the road uh, to Emmaus, my heart was burning within me as she taught. And, and I can now see that it wasn't just my grandma sitting there with me on the couch. It was the Holy Spirit who lived in her and in me. And most of the time, I live my life and I don't recognize that he's there. Or I don't hear his voice, even though he's speaking. But he is. And Grandma, she was helping me in those moments to be still and know he's God. And to hear God speaking through the scriptures. And she was helping me realize the Lord is with me the whole time. I'm just often not aware of it. And as I continued in my life into college and got lost a while in some things, I knew where to go to meet with God. I knew where to find the answers. I would always come back to the scriptures. And still today, sitting in my office or in my chair in my living room early in the morning, I know he's right there with me, still teaching me, still helping me know what to say and what to do. If I'll be still and quiet, I will see him. I will hear him. There was this one time in Canada where this young woman who was the daughter of somebody in our church and, and she had gone off to college and then wandered away and she was now in her late 20s and had really disconnected from her mom and her dad and God. She'd even rejected the faith and it, it just all broke her parents' heart as you can imagine. Well, her mom was a mom. I mean, she never stopped praying for her daughter. And believing in the promises of Psalm 139, which tell us that there's no place that we can go away from God. Where can we flee from his presence? If we go across the sea, he's there. If we make our bed in the depths, he's there, the psalmist says. And so, so this mom just kept praying to God for her daughter and, and trusting that God was watching over her along the road wherever she was. Well, one day, wonderful, uh, her daughter came home. And she even wanted to learn more about God. And so this mom said, go talk to Pastor Dan. And, and so the daughter came to talk to me. And the whole first meeting we had there, I just listened. You know, I'd ask questions and I'd just listen to her story. I didn't rush in. No judgment. No worry. Um, no panic. And then I felt at the end of the first time just meeting with her that I was supposed to not give her any advice, you know. I was simply to invite her on a journey to read through the Gospel of Luke with me, to take a few chapters a week and for her to read them on her own and journal any thoughts or questions that she had. And then we would get together each week and we would talk about it. And we did that. We opened in prayer every time, just her and I. And then I just asked her what she had read that week and what she had learned and, and written down and and. I did the same thing, really, that Grandma did with me. I invited someone to read Scripture with me. And the Lord was right there among us. Week after week, she came. And, and the first week, you know, she didn't say much or, or had written down much in her journal. But the next week, she had a little more. 
And, and then the week after, even more. God was really speaking to her. And by pretty soon, by the fifth or the sixth week, her heart, I will honestly say, was burning within her. The Lord himself was teaching her along the way what only he can, speaking right in her language to the depths of her sufferings that he knew because he knows us so well. And I learned in this that just like it wasn't really my grandma that was, in, was just the only one there with me, it wasn't me. It was the Lord who was there with us, speaking through the scriptures right to her heart and changing her life and opening her eyes to who loves her. And by the end of our time together, the young woman gave her life to Jesus and was baptized in the freezing cold Pigeon Lake. And her mom was overjoyed at God's faithfulness. And I'm reminded of this from our scripture, that for all of us teachers and pastors and parents and churches, we need to have patience with God with people, to be in prayer, to truly hear his voice and his guidance, and when to speak and when not to. For Jesus didn't rush in. He didn't force himself upon these two guys. He walked with them a while, and he started by asking some really good questions and then listening, and then he taught. And it's so hard for me at times to not think that I got to rush in and do something to save the situation, to say something, to anxiously, urgently fix something that isn't going well. Whether it is with my kids or someone in their faith or life that is struggling, no, it's a journey. It's a journey. And it's okay that we struggle sometimes a while in the journey because growing takes time. And the goals that God has for our life are not just quick, shallow faith, but deep faith and deep impact. And like at Grandma's house, the goal wasn't that I just learned more stuff or facts or figures or thought that Grandma was great, but the goal of God in that moment, now I can see it looking back, is that I would learn that He's in the room and that he goes with me, and I can learn how to hear his voice and seek him and be led by his spirit and truly shaped by his word and to deeply love him in my heart. The Lord was building that, and it took some time. What God wants for us takes some time along the road, the journey. It takes a long walk. I'm learning as a dad that just as the Lord taught me over a long period of time and many mistakes and wrong turns, you know, that he'll teach my kids the same. He's faithful in the journey. And life is this journey. Each one of ours is different. And thankfully, we don't walk the journey, though, alone. We walk it with Jesus. Even when we can't see him, he is there. But just as the Lord came alongside and walked the path with those guys from the Bible um, as he did so many years ago, um, he does that with each of us the same. He meets us on the road. And who, he is who they really need, you know. Um, and my kids, same thing. They don't, they don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from Jesus. They need to discover him in amidst the disappointments and sadnesses and struggles and the joys of life. And how are they ever going to really know him or what he can do or that he is their savior and father and friend? If I just rush in, right? God is patient. He comes up and he walks alongside of us for a while. He doesn't let us get too far away before he comes to us. And he asks good questions and he teaches us through his word that reveal him. I had a wonderful dad who would not give me the answers even when I yelled at him. 
you know. I remember this one time when I was doing math homework and I, I couldn't get it and didn't understand. And so I came to him for help. And, and he looked at the problem on the page. And then he looked up at me and he said, did you read the chapter? And, and of course I hadn't. He knew that. I mean, you know, but, you know, I didn't have time for that. I didn't really want to learn that stuff. I just wanted the answer so I could turn in my homework and go and do something else funner, you know. But, but dad wouldn't do that. He, he wouldn't give me the answer. My dad wanted something better for me. He wanted me to learn how to do the problem, how to understand it, how to solve it, and that I could solve it. And that was better than just the answer. I think Jesus is doing the same thing with these two men on the road. He wants them to learn how all the scriptures point to him. He doesn't want to reveal himself too soon to them because he wants him, them to see him in the scriptures. And how everything that's happened has happened for a reason. And how it was all foretold. Our scripture says that Jesus opened the scripture for them. It says he started with the Old Testament with Moses way back at the beginning. And he explained how he was there the whole time. He was written into the scriptures and every page they just couldn't see him. Jesus then went on and talked about the prophets and how uh, they showed how Christ had to suffer these things to enter glory. It was all written down already in advance. Jesus isn't giving them just a simple, here I am, guys. No, he's teaching them. He's growing them. He's building them. I was thinking this should be the way our church does things, just like Jesus did. You know, one of our four core priorities at Bethlehem here is, is discipleship. And I once heard a person I respect say that discipleship is doing life together over a long period of time with the scriptures. You know, we, we don't become like Jesus overnight. It happens in the community of faith and in the scriptures over life. It happens as we walk together along the way, doing life together and with Jesus, going through changes and job disappointments and health struggles and family issues and loss of parents or spouses or doubts and choosing to do life together as a church, the body of Christ talking and praying and looking into his word for the answers. This is discipleship. This is how people grow. This is how the Lord is made known among us. It's just like me sitting on my grandma's couch with the Bible for a few different years. Or it's like the woman who came to see me and we read Luke together. It's walking with people and Jesus, listening for his voice because he speaks to us through the word. But there's one more thing here I wanted to point out from this scripture. It says in verse 28 that as they approached the village where the two men were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to keep on going further. But they urged him to stay. So Jesus entered their home, and it says, while he was at the table, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And it was in that moment when their eyes were opened and they recognized him. For Mary, it was when Jesus spoke her name. For Peter, is when Jesus did the same miracle he had done when Peter first met him. For these guys, it was in the breaking of the bread, just like he did at the Last Supper. Now, before I go into that, though, notice that none of this would have happened, you know, had these men not first invited Jesus into their home. That's a critical first step here. For Jesus would have just kept on walking had they not said, please come to our house. And I think there's a lesson here for us today. The Lord is working in our life all the time, granted. Every day, walking beside us. But he doesn't force himself upon us. He doesn't make us believe 
He walks with us, teaches us things through scriptures. Our hearts may even be burning. But then it's up to us to go the next step, that step of faith, that opening up our life and situation now to him and inviting him into our life, into our home, into our heart. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. And this is speaking of true fellowship with Christ, a true relationship with him uh, comes when we first say yes to him and, and tell him we believe in him and invite him to work in our life and in our family, to forgive us of our sins and be the Lord of our life today. It is saying, I want to do life with God. I believe you are risen and you are with me now. And so this day, I'm going to live it in your presence. I'm going to remember you're with me in the car. You're with me in the office. You're with me at home. You're with me when I get that phone call, when I'm in the hospital room. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to turn to you in the middle of those situations. It's that step of faith. And we can't see Jesus with our physical eyes. But I promise you, because I've experienced it, we will see him at work in us and around us when we invite him in by faith and start doing life with Jesus. Have you ever really invited Jesus in? I mean, maybe it's even a daily thing for us to invite Jesus into this day into this work, into this situation that we're struggling with, saying, you know, just even in a prayer, Lord, I believe in you, and I believe you're here right now, and I need your help. I surrender to the way you want me to go. Come, Lord Jesus. These guys, they invited Jesus into their home, and because they did, they were able to see him. And Jesus did what Jesus does. As he broke the bread and gave thanks and handed it to them, just like at the Last Supper, they just saw him. They knew it was him. And so, you see, there's this progression. First, Jesus comes to us. He always comes first, walking alongside of us. You know. Second, the guys listened to Jesus as he taught. Third, they invited Jesus in. Fourth, Jesus made himself known. And the breaking of the bread, you know, that's become one of those things for the church that we now do, that we believe that Jesus is made known in communion, you know, and worship and baptism and preaching of the word and gathering together as believers and caring for the poor and the sick and prayer and loving one another. These are some of the ordained ways that God told us to do, that Jesus commanded of us where he would be made known among us when we do these things. And so it was the first day uh, that way right there from the first day of the resurrection with these guys and it is still that way for us today the lord is closer than we think you know uh, than we can often see he is working in our life right now inviting him into our heart by faith is the next critical step if you haven't and then truly recognizing him and seeing our risen savior and our living and our very active in our world and life God who wants you to know him. And I pray that you do today. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, 
head to bccwaverly.org.